broadcasting from a dark basement office. The FBI's most unwanted presents the X-Files podcast. Well, 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 back to back weeks here, Josh, back to back weeks. What kind of joyous occasion are we heaping upon the quivering in anticipation ears of our listeners. We got a extra large March Madness Sunday with ten yeah. scoops of ice cream. Yeah, coming at, coming at you. Couple of bananas, a little chocolate sauce in there. Mm-hmm. But here yeah. we are. I haven't had a legit banana split for Dude. probably twenty four years. That's a fucking shame. Yeah. I had one about three years ago, and it was everything you'd hoped it would have been. Like real deal, oh, yeah. fucking like like in a fucking boat, <laughs> in the boat. It's got to be in lengthwise. the boat. That's right, slank. Yeah. yeah, don't come at me with that chunk, fucking like you're doing your cereal banana bullshit. If no. you ain't cutting lengthwise, you're all you're done. I mean, it's not bad. It's just not a banana split. It's not. It's not a banana split. It's it's a it's it's a Sunday with bananas. Okay, <laughs> right. It's fucking. If it's not in the boat, go back to Coldstone. You fucking savage. That's right. If it's not cut lengthwise and in a boat, then you have a Sunday with bananas sprinkles. I, we call them Jimmy's up here, which apparently is a uh, racial pejorative in some parts of the country. But that's not how we mean it. Yeah, and it, I, I actually looked into that. That's that was. I don't know why that became considered that, but it never was meant that way. No? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I remember, uh, now listen, not a, not a uh, professor on, uh, you know, race relations here. <laughs> Shockingly, if you've Shockingly. listened to this show before. <laughs> yeah. Not, not my strong suit, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yes. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Actually, let me go ahead and turn notifications off on the Mac right. so I don't get a little dingy. Could don't you get, send the dinghy? Don't want to get dinged. So um, <clears throat> I don't know what, whatever you decide to title this one, that'll be on you. Um, but what Season we are doing. three listener questions. <laughs> episode winners, champions of the podcast. <laughs> of nice and uh, short like that. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked enough about the whole March Madness thing. And what we did here is um, the top three brackets. Um, mm-hmm. Number one went to uh, Sir Thom, yes. of course, UK's pride and joy. Uh, number two to Mike Angeletti. And uh, number three, it. White Death. Death, death, death. So we, uh, we kind of hit them all up by email, and we told them what we wanted to do here is we wanted to do a little bonus episode of just, um, you know, you guys are loyal listeners. The participation has always been great when we do things like this, like, you know, you know, you're going to hear us talk about episodes as they go on. But what what are things that we left it very open ended? What are topics about the X Files that you want to hear us talk about? You know, yes. whether it's specific questions, whether it's about a character, or a concept, an arc, whatever. So we left it pretty vague, and um, boy, boy, did we get some juice coming back our way, huh? For sure. And we left it, and we left it. Um, what am I trying to say? We we left it with tangential possibilities. Um, so. Some of these questions, although based in X-Files lore and interest and curiosity, may stray into other realms, sort of X-Files adjacent, sure. um, which will be interesting too. So pretty neat. And yeah, you are right. Um, there is a lot of juice coming out of that lemon. 
you know, <laughs> it's running down my wrists and arms, dripping off my elbows, you would yeah. say. I mean, it's everywhere. Stinging up all my little cuts and scrapes. Yeah, nothing lets you know about your uh, your slashed up hands and when you squeeze a nice lemon into them. Mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah, without further ado, we'll go. Um, so, Sir Thom was, yes. the, was the, the first response back. We got five topics from him. And um, we'll, wow. uh, we'll just start with him, shall we? Let's do it, man. Let's right. dive right into Sir Thom. Again, congratulations to the winners. And uh, yeah, this is, um, he has, I'm going to guess, probably his first question might be my favorite question in the entire thing. Um, (laughs) so tune into this one and then just fucking zone out (laughs) yeah no but of course this one was like wow this is a this is very interesting uh an interesting question and an interesting question coming from sir thom who is um who is from the uk so it's i'm this is a good one this is a really good question yeah Yeah. what a great way to start how's that why don't you read the sucker you're invested okay uh uh, he did do a lot. I mean, he did do the very British thing. He did a lot of um, he did a lot of talking around the questions, which I appreciate. But um, essentially, he asked, "What's he, he said? Number one, the role of government or government agencies as antagonists." And he goes on to say, quite succinctly, sarcasm. This is something that has always interested me, particularly the way it is done in X-Files. It doesn't matter how scary the monster or paranormal event that is being investigated is. The shady government agents, those nameless guys in dark suits and dark glasses are always scarier. These people can make you disappear without a trace and cover it up to the extent that you have never existed in the first place. And they're supposed to be the good guys, the people in charge, the ones we trust. That's um, That sentence right there is, uh, might be a false premise for me personally. <laughs> I you're, wondered what- You're barking up the wrong tree with <laughs> Liberty Street Geek Media. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great question. I wondered what your take on this is. Is it something unique to American TV and cinema? And if so, where does it originate? Coming from the UK, I feel like this theme doesn't really cross over into shows much. In our shows, we mock our government. We think our officials are useless and out of touch, but we're not really scared of them. We do have an excellent we do have excellent crime drama such as Line of Duty and Luther, which deal with corrupt police officers or bent coppers. But generally corruption when it occurs is shown as a result of outside influence rather than the institution itself. We really see anything like the ending of Softlight where X has abducted Tony Shalhoub's character and is running endless experiments on him. Nobody knows where he is. He has no prospect of escape. That shit is fucking terrifying to me. (laughs) Sir Thom, you might as well have written and just been like, Dean, can you talk about your personal politics and then make an (laughs) oblique reference to the (laughs) X-Files? I will will make all attempts to... uh, stay as apolitical as possible here. But um, I think it's a lot of great questions here uh, outside of what I believe and or think. Specifically, why do I think this exists and perhaps why you're telling me, your words, that it doesn't really exist in the UK outside of mockery, which I think is very interesting because, so as, as almost as, as an aside to this question, what I think is interesting is that we, LSG Media, we play pretty well in the UK, and I think it's because we're not afraid of self-mockery and mockery in general, um, which is interesting because there are some things about the UK and its, you know, Bill of Rights, as it were, that I think are kind of hilarious when compared to, say, the Constitution. But all that aside, it's pretty cool that you 
I like the idea of you expressing that the government is mocked because I think that's such a British thing. That's such like a flying circus, Monty Python, satirical mocking, making fun of. I think that's one of the coolest things about British culture right there is that ability to mock shit and laugh at shit. Um, I love that. Now, as to why, I guess there's a lot of question. I guess there's a lot of theory here and that's all I can really offer you is my thoughts on it. But I think that the American populace has historically distrusted the government of America than the United Kingdom has of the United Kingdom in larger quantities. Like outside of the sex pistols saying anarchy in the UK, you know, I I think generally speaking, America has always been more distrustful of government. And I think the answer almost lies in the question. I mean, we had a problem with a lot of the uh, articles of the colonies. And we said, nah, we're not going to do that. Nope, we're not going to do that. Nope, we're not going to quarter your soldiers. Nope, we're not going to do this. Nope, we're not going to do that. So it's kind of interesting that this question is coming from, coming to uh, what started as a bunch of colonies that rebelled against the crown. <laughs> so number one, that should tell you, we, we, almost, we, we originally existed in we don't trust the powers that be, Let's fucking go west. Let's get some freedom. Let's, you know, and then when, you know, when you start, when you started throwing down the, uh, all the fun stuff, you know, uh, what, what were they like, um, proclamation of 1763, the King's like, Oh, you can't settle past the Appalachians. Then they're like, how about the quartering act? Nope. We don't want to do that. No. How about the stamp act? Nope. We're not Sugar doing act. that. Sugar tax act after act after tax after tax, which is what Britain was trying to do onto the colonies who started to become, you know, their own thing, blah, blah, blah. All that bullshit aside, how does this work its way back to the X-Files? I think in general, there is something deep in the psyche of Americans, or at least there used to be, which may be coming back again. And it always depends on what administration's in power, where we just don't trust the government. Now that's ebbed and flowed throughout time as far as I can see. Like I think in the 50s, government trust was at an all-time high. I think maybe in the 20s, not so much. And then in the Vietnam War, it was garbage. So after World War II, people were like, cool, America. And then in Vietnam, it was like, fuck the government. They suck. They're the worst. What are we doing? Nixon, Watergate. And I just think all of that stuff, especially, so if you take that shit happening like 50s, 60s, 70s, and you start getting the guys writing the X-Files and they grew up in that. You know what I mean? So it's almost like the guys who wrote the show started to grow up amidst the distrust of the government by and large. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it, you know? Um, and, and I think the 90s, people who wrote TV in the 90s were products of growing up in the 70s and the 60s, the late 60s. So I think, I think a lot of it has to do with that, just, just in a very, very large scale. I'm going to shut the fuck up now. So we can talk for a while. <laughs> Dude, that's good shit. And I... I mean, reading this, I immediately just thought back to the cultural and historical stuff, and um, that's 100% it. Um, and it reminded me, just since we're talking on a podcast, if you like history and especially talking about you know uh, the American Revolution, there's a p- podcast just called Revolutions, nice. and um, <clears throat> he does, he takes, starting with um, the, uh, the old War of the Roses there, he wow. does long-form you know, half hour episodes, but like the American revolution is like 15 episodes and really fucking covers it. Well, it's, you know, it's a little dry, but not it's, he's, he's still very interesting to listen to talk. It's still very conversational. It's just one guy, um, but, but it's good shit. Um, but I think you're absolutely right in that just distrust of the government, 
um, is built a lot more into American culture than, I mean, you're talking about people that fucking still have a queen and they think it's special when she fucking gets her crotchety ass on TV and the lady that you shovel like hundreds of millions of pounds to a year who owns like a quarter of the world is like, oh, it's special. She took her time out of her fucking day to talk to us. Come on, people. What do you think? Right. I mean, anybody is more critical than that. I, I always feel like, and this is going to be a broad generalization, but as a youth, I always thought American Americans were, to Americans anyway, associated with, if you had to pick one word, you'd say free, freedom, right? Yes. And I, fe- I almost feel like British was always like, we're loyal, right? Like, it, it always seemed like we are loyal to the, to, to, to the, the crown or, or whatever, you know? For king uh, and always, country. It, for king and country. So I don't know if that's like, so I think it's, I think it goes all the way back to that. Yep. Um, and, and, and yeah, and there's a lot, it's, it's interesting <laughs> when you look at just like a lot of, just a lot of things like everything from freedom of expression to press freedom, to search and seizure, to all that stuff. There's a lot of great articles out there that, that shows you the American protection for the citizens versus the British. And boy, Obviously, Britain is a first world fucking super cool country. Awesome citizens. You know, I love you guys, but I don't think I could live there. Just based on reading that alone. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, ugh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I like some of these provisions about like weaponry and and, and, uh, like speech and, uh, you know, just just shit like that. Surveillance state, they're a little ahead of the curve with that shit. Just, Just stuff like that. Now- that that has nothing to do with the citizen, the, the the body politic, the citizens at large. Um, like I said, I've every interaction I've ever had with somebody from the UK in the US has been awesome. Um, I work with this guy Steve, became friendly with him immediately. Um, all of most of the time, the British listeners are pretty cool. Right up until we start talking about like freedom and liberty, then we sort of diverge a bit. But um, but in all in all due respect, that's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's just. It's just the way it is. I think it, more than anything, too, beyond just the origins, what you um, the w- the world that the writers grew up in um, exactly that is really the key to to this question, this topic. I think because you're right. Yep. I mean, because if you look at America, its its history, its culture, whatever <clears throat> that independence and freedom and whatever has always been a part of it. But then you also look at it, and if you look at it's a progressive line of more and more power to the federal government. Um, one thing about government, they don't let go of power. So as they get more, they fucking keep it. And you're, you're just, just watch even well-intentioned things that come out of this whole, you know, COVID-19 coronavirus, whatever response, you know, whatever powers that the government kind of had to enact things they had to do, that becomes the new normal. They don't stop doing those things. So cell phone tracing, shit like that, that's not going to go away in countries that it was enacted. Um, and you, you have a world that, you know, it, it was a steady ramp up, but really dramatic change um, along with America's role in the world around the World War II era. And that the time that came out of it, the 60s, the 70s, the disillusionment, the disenfranchisement, not only was there a dramatic shift in trust of the government, um, and it was a lot of things. It was it was what the U.S. is really up to. You know, now we we weren't reluctantly answering the bell to to save freedom and democracy, right? That's our World War approach. You know, right. tap us on the shoulder at the beginning of the third quarter, we'll come in and do some shit. Um, and yeah, World War II specifically. Yeah, by the time we got in the fucking, and I think maybe you and I talked about this, by the time 
the U.S. got in, it was like the fucking German soldiers were veterans. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, they had dude. already fought a ton of times. Two and a half years in when, when we first <laughs> gotten schnockered. But then we get to a place where America is actively, actively shaping the entire world. Correct. Um, shaping Correct. a world order and doing things like the Vietnam War. Like we hadn't traditionally fought wars like that. Definitely not of that scale. Smaller sure. conflict, sure, especially in the Western Hemisphere. Um, and then kind of having to lie about it to a much more assertive press, a, a world where the the press went to battlefields and it wasn't all about just, you know, supporting the selling, flag and selling yeah. red space. Yeah. Um, and honestly doing a lot of shady shit, like a lot of the stuff that comes up in the X-Files, you know, traces back to things that were coming out in the eighties and nineties, you know, experiments that were done on soldiers and citizens, you know, in, in the Vietnam era, post Vietnam era, um, the fifties, things that had happened that were just coming to light. And, you know, you, you layer in the, the natural, um, inclination towards conspiracy, whether it's about UFOs, whether it's about assassinations of JFK, of MLK, uh, RFK, and you have just a very fertile breeding ground for a show about who is pulling the strings. What if all of these things are connected? Who could possibly be doing it? Well, it's got to be some kind of government agency. Um, and it starts with the government and eventually the show kind of transcends into this, you know, uh, super governmental syndicate kind of thing. Um, but I, I think that's all where it comes from is what, what you hit on the, the culture that these guys, Chris Carter and Gilligan and, and everybody else is growing up. In, right. Right. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, and it's, it starts with the formation of the country where there's things written to limit the size of the government because they knew how that went all the way up through everything we've just talked about to this impressionable young man who will go on to write X-Files episodes. We are invariably influenced by the media and the times, the culture, let's just say, that we grow up in and surrounded by. And that's going to influence the way we work, we, we operate, especially creatively, artistically. We're, artistically, we're always influenced by by the times, so to speak. <laughs> People just log on to the chat. Brian Campbell comes in in the middle of that rant and says, so um, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> you see the X-Files live and you don't expect uh, probably where we're going with it. But Yeah, oh, I that, forgot to name the fucking episode. That's why Unnamed. this one is fun. Um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's a really good question. I like it. And um, yeah, it's, it's um, and it is, it's very much a, a cultural, there's a big cultural difference between the UK and the United States when it comes to viewing the government by and large. Yep. And, um, and there's enough earned reasons to do that. Like ultimately I am not very high on governmental powers is probably obvious in, in our federal government specifically, despite having been a paid employee of theirs. Um, but you got to see it firsthand, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Like that coming directly from that. I've never met, I don't think I know, there's a couple, but most most vets I've ever met aren't like, dude, fucking the American government's badass. <laughs> dude, dude, I've we, never met Everything one. we do is pretty much great and awesome. Yeah, I've never heard one vet ever in my life say that. It's really funny. Now, there's also a realization that as much as I, I enjoy the discussion of conspiracies and these ideas in a show like X-Files is sure. just so enjoyable. Um, I don't, there are very few conspiracy, quote unquote, conspiracy theories, and that's a, a weird term in general. It is. It um, is. But there's not a lot of them that I actually give a lot of credence to. And the main reason is just the 
people, the number one thing people do with the government when it comes to conspiracies or, or whoever is behind it, usually it's the government, but they dramatically overestimate their overestimate, competence. Yes. <laughs> overestimate their competence, ability to keep a secret, ability to actually do things well. You know, if you want to look at a good example of, you know, how conspiracies happen, read about the Bay of Pigs. Because yep. that was a real world conspiracy and it went to shit. Um, yep. And that is the way most of these things would go. Now, I'm North, not saying... Northwoods. Northwoods is pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's fucking wild. Uh, and there's there's a lot out there. And I'm not saying the government hasn't done bad shit. They have. There's a lot of proof of them. But, you know, the idea of like the 9-11 being inside job, it's just... It doesn't hold up to the scrutiny of like what it would take to execute that and right. to keep that quiet. Yeah, they're more blunt than they are slick when it comes to any type of agenda. And it's just, you know, most of the time it's really just saddling up amongst somebody's fear and insecurity and utilizing that to enact some sort of broad policy that just a tribe attributes more power to themselves, right? It's That's the problem. You know, it, part of this question that I love is when he says, we think of our officials, but we're not really scared. We do an excellent, okay, right here. Um, bent coppers, but generally corruption when it occurs, he's talking about in British TV now, is shown as a result of an outside influence rather than the institution itself. Um, that's like a philosophical field day right there. Because what he's <laughs> saying is, is like the individual is being corrupted by an outside influence versus the institution being corrupt and or dangerous. But institutions are largely just created, are made up of people, right? right. So I always think that like, <clears throat> I think certain institutions attract people that that are more susceptible to corruption. I, I, I just imagine the idea of like if you could objectively tell a politician, like let's just say God, for example, could say this politician is the best politician. I am omnipotent and I know. Then all the politicians who always say no, we want the best. We want this. This is going to be. I'm I'm going to help the most. That would really put them to the test morally, right? Because then you would say, well, then I should vote for him. Like, let's just say somebody, let's just say somebody came down amidst a presidential like battle in, in this godlike omnipotent figure said, this person is the best person for the candidate. I have seen the future and I know this. They, I don't think they could still get past their ego to not go along with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, obviously there's still inherent distrust in an external fucking all powerful being. I get that. So the question is a bit skewed, but you know, my, my point is, is it's not, it's, it's always about winning. <laughs> it's, it's about victory for your constituents. It's about victory for your family and your friends. You know, it's, so it does, I think the institution does cor- attract weirdo corrupt people. I um, think that's a part of it. And I also think, you know, there's a part of me that looks at, it, political power, power in general, corruption, you know, these different things as as forces of, of nature uh, akin to gravity. That sure. The sure. more, you know, they just buy, it doesn't matter what the mass is, what, what molecules make up the mass, you get more of it, it's, it has more gravity. It, you know, you get enough people together with power, they are inherently going to try, inevitably over time, you might have little dips and bumps, but the upward trend will always be to try to gather more power unless it is taken away from them by an outside force. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the way it goes. And, you know, it's not even about like evil machinations. You want more power to execute things well. You you know, democracy is based on being inefficient. That is the whole idea of it. It is a terrible 
inefficient, wasteful form of government by nature to prevent power being directed um, to to you know too much from one arm. You know, to, to um, reach critical mass, so to speak. Yeah, well, that's why each administration being bigger than the one before, regardless of of what dichotomy they fall on in the political spectrum. That's the thing that always causes people like me and most, and probably yourself, to be like, man, this isn't this isn't the way it's supposed to go. You know, right, <laughs> it's right, not supposed right to wing, inex- inexorably part get of bigger. Bird. Yeah, like this right administration will be bigger than the next right administration, which will be bigger <laughs> than the next left one, and and then the left one will be bigger than the ones prior to it. Like it just seems that there's inexorable growth, and it's weird. You know, there's this. You know, if you had a friend that constantly was like borrowing money from you. And fucking doing dumb shit with it all the time. Like, and then they kept coming back to you. Eventually be like, no, no, no more. <laughs> but we're just like, yes, here, more. Please fix it. Like, <laughs> it's so fucking you know, weird. You know what's fucking hilarious? At the beginning of this topic, we said, we're not really going to get too political with this, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not ascribing any any belief to the left-right dichotomy, just the government in general. Scar- right. Right. Yeah. So but I think that. that's, I mean. We joke around about it, but I think our our perspectives. We might be outside the mainstream in America, but I think you that think? Un- undercurrent <laughs> that it's a consistent un- undercurrent in America, and that's what you're seeing referenced in the X Files. But um, I think you hit the nail on the head the most with the the nature of um, of the America that these guys grew up in, that went on to create and write and um, direct these different episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. It's if if the if the left is in power, then the right is like, boy, government's terrible. If the right's in power, the left's like, boy, government's terrible. You know, it's that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. But um, good shit. Great question, by the way. Yeah. Very cool. And Luther is a cool show. I watched like five or six episodes. Uh, it's um. That's my boy, right, Idris Elba? There. Yeah, dude. I fucking love that guy. He's I haven't, great. Have not seen it. Yep. Yeah. It's got the real sexy chick too from um the affair. I think she plays like a bad girl. Oh. Not that like that. Well, yeah, kind of like that too, if I recall. But um, good shit. Great first question. Awesome. Let's jump on to number two here. Um, Hit me. So again, this is a very broad topic, which he says, <laughs> taking a second to heap some praise on how ahead of the curve the show was. Um, this is a very broad topic. Seriously, we could talk inclusivity, the role of Dana Scully and Jillian Anderson's consistently incredible performance, Mulder being a hero for anyone nerdy or a little spooky or out of place. Um, I genuinely believe that the entire show was a champion for outsiders throughout 11 mm. seasons. Surely everyone can find a character to relate to in some way. Uh, the fact that when the show started, cigarette advertising was a powerhouse and absolutely everywhere. Um, and yet the only series regular to smoke on the show was evil as fuck. Mulder even refers to him as cancer man. Uh, but I guess I'm most interested in the monsters, man. I think they handled the idea of monster really well. They gave us psychopathic, remorseless killers, mutated animals, just didn't know any better. And my personal favorites, the poor souls who tried and failed to fight their own monstrous nature. I recently commented on a Ben Proof Facebook post about episodes that weren't March Madness quality, but still really stand out. I picked Hungry, season seven, episode three, uh, as one that fits the bill for me because it's one of the first episodes I saw and has stuck with me ever since. After commenting on Ben's post, I panicked I'd picked a boob and hardly <laughs> rewatched it because I'm desperate for approval. I have to say that episode still really works for me, even if it's not an all-time great. I feel so much sympathy towards the main character in it, especially when he gives up and commits suicide by cop at the end saying... I can't be something I'm not. I must have been 14 or 15 when I saw it and hiding so deep in the closet I wouldn't find my way out for another 15 years. 
So any storylines about fighting nature and monsters being misunderstood really hit a chord with me. Not saying us gays are monsters, obviously. Gotta avoid those one-star reviews. (laughs) I tuned in that evening expecting to be scared by a cool monster, but by the end of 45 minutes, it was like I had held a mirror up in front of me. I felt understood and a little sad. Not every show that can do that. Whew. Lot there. Boy. Boy, oh boy. Um, Shit. Where do you want to dive into that one? Um, I mean, I guess, man, he's right, and... He's talking about inclusivity. He's talking about um, being ahead of the curve. You know, the this idea is a monster. Yep. I think this is something, and it's very hard to put your finger on the exact pulse. Cause I, the trick for me, and again, everything we say is biased, of course, but this is a lot of the way I look at things. The trick for me about these things is when you try to be genuine and you look, you look at people as people and you don't try to be inclusive. You don't try to hit the topics of Amen. of whatever. I think when you look back in, I don't think it's going to take that long, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, um, at some of the, you know, woke, you know, victories in TV and media and whatever, I think they're going to feel really like stinted and very much of a certain time and not hold up. And I think a show like the X-Files, it, I don't think they sat down and, you know, maybe it was in his head or some reason, but he wasn't like, you know, I really just want to make, I want to make sure Dana Scully is a powerful female character. I think he just tried to write and, you know, I've, I've seen different criticisms. You can talk about it this way, that different episodes, but overall it's very hard to say that she's not an amazing female character, but that in general for me comes from, I want to, I want to write a really good person and okay. So are we have a male, we have a female, um, then trying to make them more realistic as you go on and not trying to be deliberate. You know, these, in, in a world that's crying out for inclusivity, you know, you look back, you know, especially at science fiction, which is, I think, the bastion of fucking great female characters. Um, and it's like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, Ellen Ripley, um, you know, Terminator, uh, Dana Scully, I mean, Carrie Fisher, Prince Leia, whatever. I mean, you're talking about some of the the greatest female, you know, I'm, I'm addressing one specific part of this, but to me, none of those were deliberate attempts at, you know, an agenda. They were, let's write a really good character. And in some process, it was a woman and then it ran from there. I like it. Yeah, I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head and I don't mean to spin this into a, into a suck off of LSG media, this question, but I'm going to a little bit only because it made me think of something again with the writing of this question that I hadn't thought about in a while. But um, John DeGreitha, a longtime listener of LSG Media, had a, has a blog, and he asked if he could ask me some questions one day, and he would put them out there for the world to read about. And one of the things he said is he said, you know, I find it so interesting that your podcast is so inclusive of so many different types of people. And I thought, huh, I never even, it didn't even occur to me. And he was like, was that by design? And I was like, boy, I'm not, number one, not that smart. Number two, I think it was just because I put my pants on one leg at a time, like everybody else does, except for the guy who had his legs blown off in the X-Files episode we just covered. (laughs) Arms and legs. (laughs) No, but all seriousness, I think this comes back to so much of, of, of what you just said in that idea is that it, what we, LSG didn't set out with any agenda as far as that went, because we don't ever, as people, I would hope, for the most part, elevate ourselves above, above anybody else based on sexuality, based on 
religious beliefs based on anything. Yeah, we might challenge some of your ideas at times. I'll speak for myself. I may, and I will have my own challenge at times. And as long as there's a modicum of respect there, I have no problem talking to somebody. But it has nothing to do, like, I don't care if you say speaking as an ex or whatever. That doesn't matter to me. All that matters to me is your idea. Because speaking as ex could say the most heinous, repugnant shit of all time. Speaking as X doesn't disqualify your ideas any more than it validates them. There's no virtue in speaking as X, okay? The only virtue comes in what you're saying in general, which is what are you, what's the idea, right? I don't care about the idea. Like that's, that's, that gets to ad hominem. I don't, I'm going to attack the idea, not the, not the person, right? And it just never even occurred to me. That's why, that's why I will get dinged for something like, oh, I made a gay joke or, oh, I made a this joke or a, because All of those people and I are the same. We're just people. And what I don't ever want to do is is presume that somebody exists below me. That's not to say, you know, people have different opportunities in life. That's true. But I would never presume to just assume that a class of people exists beneath me. They would always exist parallel to me. And I would expect to be treated as they are and vice versa. That's, that's called looking at people as individuals. And I think that's exactly what, now, again, I'm, I'm waxing philosophical and I apologize. So let me get back to what you said, because it makes so much sense. You said it wasn't, in other words, what you said, if I can summarize is they're not writing at it from Scully's identity of a woman. Number one, number two, next trait number. They're not doing that. They're just going, what are cool traits that would make this character interesting and compelling? And then they go from there. It's not, it doesn't start with agenda first. It starts with story and character first. And because of that, because of the fact that it is much more genuine, it influences us in a greater capacity. When I was in high school in the 90s, never once did I ever think, and I know I'm not, I, again, this all, all, should, this all this should all be mentioned that I am the exception to the rule because we're all individuals, okay? I grew up in Florida with a single mother who was in law enforcement. So I never thought a woman couldn't do anything. I saw a woman do crazy fucking things. So, and I was always like, wow, cool. Ellen Ripley's awesome. Wow. Sarah Connor, what a fucking badass. It was such a thing when Sarah Connor transformed her body. That was like big news. And I remember it just being like, wow, have you seen her? It's so amazing. I remember my mom pointing out to me, have you seen how Sarah Connor looks for the new movie for Terminator coming? I was like, no, I didn't. It's amazing. And I was like, wow, this is cool. She's so capable. It didn't even occur to me that she was more or less capable than Reese or, or Arnold, although he was a machine. He had, he had things he could do that she couldn't. But I never was like, it just never even occurred to me. Now, obviously, that's not the truth in general when it comes to a lot of people are chauvinistic. They have these ideas about certain things and whatever, sure. But it didn't start with the identity, right? Identity politics is so big right now. What, who are you and where are you from? Okay, your opinion's invalid immediately, or your opinion's valid immediately. It's the dumbest, dumbest way to exist in in life, as far as I'm concerned. I want to hear about the ideas. That's what I want to hear about first, right? And I think that is a that is a big umbrella over entertainment, which is like they didn't even think about that. They were just like, let's make cool and interesting characters. Let's treat people like people, and all of a sudden, Sir Thom finds something special in here. And it wasn't catering to any, any particular type of person. They were just catering to themselves, which I think you should do when you create. 
because then people are going to come to you that like the same shit that you like and that you care about. You know what I mean? It's about yeah. writing for yourself first. That's what we've always said at LSG Media. Be you. Talk about stuff the way you are. Don't think about what other people might think or what one group might think. Yes, if you have a day job, be careful, right? But just be your fucking self and give your honest opinion about shit and, and stay away from the agenda-ridden shit because I think it just clouds thinking. And I definitely think it clouds good storytelling. And that's why I think X-Files did such a good job in the 90s. They were so good at that. It's just, it's, what a great question. Again, super thought-provoking, great question, Sir Thom. Yeah, I love it. And I love what you said. I mean, that's my favorite. C- coming into LSG initially, just as a listener and a fan, you know, uh, before I started really getting involved, um, and then we started this podcast, obviously, but that's what I loved. It's like, this This is what I want to listen to. You know, no, obviously, like, it's funny, and it talks about shit that I like in movies and whatever, but- sure. No, nothing and no concept has like is special on its own has any bonus points but also there are no sacred cows you know correct you, you there's nothing out of bounds and that's you have to accept that if you're going to listen to any any of these shows um you know and and i liked everything you had to say there and and specifically what sir Thom was saying about the monsters too about yes. i those i agree man like those episodes I mean, there's so many, one of the things about the X-Files is great is how different it can be. For sure. But, but the episodes where the monster is really, you feel bad because they're dealing with an instinct or an affliction or something that is beyond their control. That is kind of, you know, part of their nature. That's something that they, they fight either because it hurts other people or they don't understand it or whatever. Um, and, you know, even though a totally different thing that, that introspection it gave to Sir Thom, um, that shit is just, is, is fascinating. And it's, you know, when we, I said people instead of humans, because in some of these cases we're talking about humans, but it's, you know, a monster can be a person for sure. And that can be a much more interesting story at times. I mean, sometimes a fucking straight up evil, scary monster is great. And that's what you need. And that's, you know, that has a lot of merit on its own as a, as a storytelling device. But the, conflicted idea man that has a lot of legs in terms of of writing right and then and when you have these very unconventional um investigators our leads here that are able to a lot of times sort of look at things from a different perspective that might have sympathy um you know scully always has this empathy and Mulder, if anything even though he he completely lacks empathy with (laughs) dealing with quote-unquote normal people boy does he is he good at it when it, it comes to dealing with monsters or the abnormal or, or things like that. Um, and there's, you know, there's probably a little bit of Chris Carter in that. I would guess. For sure. Good shit. Okay. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, in the chat, Moxie says, I think the writers really just wanted to tell cool stories. And by using the abject or abnormal elements of the world, they were able to explore all forms of human experience. Correct. And I would even break that down further and drill it down to just say they wrote stories that were interesting to them. And that was their agenda. Yeah. Right, I, yep. we want to write stories that are really cool to us and something we think is very interesting, um, and that's what we're going to do. And this is something talk about a lot on on the old science fiction film podcast and still on Lost Drive-In, is the idea of of sci fi in particular can be such a great storytelling vessel because you can talk about different aspects of the human experience that you might need a an element beyond reality to sure. 
to cast in a certain light to kind of to bring into play. And you can do that. And X Files does that with a lot of these, you know, monsters or whatever. Um, Absolutely. To uh, I, every time somebody brings that up, I always say the ultimate question posed in Next Gen is data property. You know, that's you can't really have that discussion outside of science fiction, right? Yep. It's cool. Man, there's so many like postmodern Prometheus, so many great, great episodes, which, you know, are, are monster, which may or may not even be the antagonist of the episode often, um, is really, you know, just such a, and a lot of them, it's, it's a, it's a spin on an old concept in a way that can really make you, uh, make you think. Absolutely. And, and the predecessor to the X-Files where I think this really shines, Twilight Zone. Yes. It's so good. Rod Sterling was a fucking genius, man. Yeah, actually, um, funny, I'm, I'm go- I had planned on talking about bringing up Ooh, Twilight Zone it. and a couple questions, too. But. Oh, right. I know the one. I know the one. Um, you want to um, read uh, number three here? Yeah. Speaking of monsters, season one brought us um, with an X-Files anomaly in that one of the best Monster of the Week episodes, Squeeze, spawned a sequel, Tombs. This is one of the only occasions I can think of where a character or monster from a standalone app made a reappearance later in the series with that in mind, which character or monster from a Monster of the Week app would you have liked to see return? Is this just because they are cool, scary as fuck, or because it would have been interesting character development? Peter Powers' obvious answer, and therefore is disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a good question. I, you, you're going to be better qualified to answer it as far as X-Files goes because you have more knowledge, generally speaking, than I do. Um, I did look at a couple lists, and I was very interested in something called the Ubermensch, but I don't remember that episode because it's probably a later season. Um, so that aside, with my knowledge and memory, <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm just going to say um, probably Donnie Faster. You know what's funny? I thought of him too. And I actually, I had to check myself and I'm like, wait a second. Does he? He does Is come he? back. Oh, he does. Season seven. Whoa, dude. See, that's why I wouldn't know. Yep. Um. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not, it's not as good as Irresistible. Um, right. That makes sense. But. Because it's funny, man. That's that's one of the first places my head jumped to. You know where one of the other ones, which I which I thought you were going to mention. I thought this was going to be your pick, Mrs. Paddock. Ooh, what would you think about that? I mean, is that because that's the the tough part about that question? Is I mean, one of the great things about the X Files is how original it can be. How many how many different things it can show us. So you know, you're inherently in in a in the world we live in of of sequels and reboots. You know, especially nowadays, looking back, part of me is like, well, fuck it. I don't want I don't want the sequel. I don't want to see the because very few are going to live up, especially when you're talking about a monster or something like that. So, you know, it was kind of the the ones I thought of were, were Donnie Faster. Then I was like, oops, never mind. Mrs. Paddock, because really we're just talking about an, an agent of, of the devil. Right. Probably. Yeah, absolutely, um, dude. I didn't even think about that. That's a great one. I, I thought that could be really cool. To see her in a completely different context. I like it. You know? Um, yep. A different environment. You know, is it, maybe it's not even the same thing of, of dealing with a ring of Saint worshippers. Maybe, maybe it's on the other side. Maybe it's helping somebody, uh, you know, what do you call it? Like st- helping a startup. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yes. I, I thought of, um, of the eaves the, um, from episode, uh, what episode number is that? Just, Oh, the Eve girls. Uh, yeah, season one. I can't remember what episode number it is off the top of my head, but the two girls um, seeing 11. them. Okay, episode eleven. Yeah, you know, maybe seeing them come back because they get away scot free <laughs> again. Yeah, and that lady locked up freaked me out. So those teeth. 
I guess it's um the, it makes me think, and I'd really have to. Uh, and I guess honestly, I spent so much time really thinking critically about some of these really meaty questions that right. I thought of a few that came to mind. But I would have to really sit back and look through look through some episodes list and, and think about. And for me, it would be what monster or antagonist or whatever did did I really like that I I thought we didn't even we didn't get to see every side of, or we could have looked at in a very different way. Um, Tombs as a comeback is great just because he was such a great iconic villain. Such a creep too. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, you know, was there really anything, anything that we got out of, out of tombs in the second episode besides some more, I mean, it's not like it fell short, but did it really enhance the idea of, Mm, of what that monster was? I'm I'm not sure. That's a good question. Um I I don't know if it enhanced so much as it it was just cool to have I think I don't know I don't know that it advanced the character, but I think what it did is it showed us consistency in the X-Files world by showing a case where this monster came back that they couldn't keep him held down. It made you feel like wow, we're we're in a consistent world outside of the main mythology arc. Yeah. That's right. that's kind of one thing it does. Yeah, and I had some other thoughts. I mean, um, I was kind of just thinking of great episodes, and you know, Pusher got a lot of love in the in the vote, mm, and I'm a, I'm a fan. You know, seeing more of him, I I don't remember if he out. Oh, he's kind of like dying. I don't remember if it says he dies or not, but regardless, whether him coming back or not. But again, like, what would you show new? And I thought, and I don't know if this would work, but I thought of a um. Because I think the only way you could do this would be as a as a kind of prequel, and then Sculler and Molly, M- Molly, <laughs> Mulder and Scully aren't involved. Um, fucking drink, said Sculder. Um, <laughs> but Luther Lee Boggs, like <sighs> just seeing more of him. I don't ever want to go back there again. Wow. That yeah. guy's so good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, <laughs> see, look at that. Apparently, Pusher does come back. No shit. I, I forgot all about that. Here's what I'll say. I I think you would want a very, very, very conservative use of them returning, right? Yeah. Because it kind of goes into, in other words, I I would like to validate what you're saying because I think think you're making sense. I don't know if you'd want to, what outside of you can't catch them in one episode, what are you doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. The good, good um, comment, uh, Dancing Magus, I, I think why tombs worked is because it was in the same season. For some reason, they felt like they had to close his particular book. That's a good uh, point. That might have been, it might have been a little bit more of like a oh really? Like if it was a season later or two seasons later, um, I can dig it. But it was so soon, and it was really you know squeezed. That was the first real monster of the week. Um, so yeah, I like that. I can dig it. Nice, good question. And then um, question four, Josh. Question four. This is my turn, right? Yes, um, I can't remember which episode it was, but I once heard Dean say something like, people are always telling me to watch Fringe. I don't want to fucking watch that show. <laughs> Sounds like something so, you'd say. I did I did watch it a little bit, and they referred to Dighton Mass as Digton. <laughs> I was out. <laughs> That's it. I was out. That's all it takes. Done. No, it was more um, than that, but anyway. Sir Thom says, well, I have watched Fringe, and I like it just fine for what it is. I've never seen Millennium of the Lone Gunman, however, so I was wondering, what are the top five shows that, in your opinion, have either directly or indirectly 
come into existence because of the X-Files. Millennium and the Lone Gunman are obviously set in the same world. Fringe hints that it is also, would you consider Lost with its science fiction themes and convoluted mm. mythology to have been influenced by X-Files? What about something like American Horror Story, Steven Spielberg's Taken, Falling Skies, Rick and Morty? What other shows should we be watching? Can you even come up with a top five? Or are they all hot garbage in comparison? I'm Pickle Rick. <laughs> Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Joe that. Rules. Um, this is going to be all speculation on our part because we don't really know unless somebody explicitly said that they were influenced by it. But I didn't even look that up. I'm just kind of guessing. Sure. That's but how we were. Why don't you jump in first as it's yours unless you want me to. Um, yeah. So that's actually where um, I, w- I did want to give a tip of the hat of – you know, the X-Files deserves every ounce of credit it, it's gotten. But, you know, like like a great musician, it also has to tip its forebears. And that's where I want to make sure you shout out a show like The Twilight Zone. Because without The Twilight Zone, there would be no X-Files. Twilight Zone's so good, man. There was another show, and I and I, I can only mention this because I've read about it, but I can't. Like, I, I Outer Limits? It. Uh, yeah, actually, I have watched it. Outer Limits, true for sure. But there's yeah. a show they talk about being inspired by called Night Stalker, I think. Ooh, and I never watched it, but supposedly yeah. it was it was one of Carter's big influences. Awesome. Um, but you know what jumped to my mind, kind of, and thinking about you, and of course Jessica, a show that for sure owes a lot to this is Buffy. Yeah, Buffy yep. the Vampire. I Slayer. would agree. I would agree with that. Um, and they're they're pretty close. Yes. When, right. Yeah. Uh, so X Files was ninety three. Buffy was late nineties, I think. I think it was ninety seven, ninety eight. But when was the movie? Probably when I was in high school. So oh, I'm going to guess between was 92. Yeah. I was going to say between yeah. 90 and 92. But even with the, if the, if the movie came out the same time concurrently or even a year before the X-Files, I just, I don't think the show in the context it came owes a lot to the X-Files person. Yeah. I'm not but, saying, but, yeah, but, mon- but monster hunters, Buffy, it's a monster hunter show. Right. It's actually remarkably well-written. Oh Buffy. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, it's definitely like a monster hunting show for sure. Underrated show. I think that, I don't Absolutely. know why. I don't know Sarah Michelle Geller. Too cute. Like it. it it's kind God, of looked at as like beautiful. a. Yeah, God. <laughs> as like a. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's. Do people think of it as like a teenage show, a chick? Fl- show? I think so. But but you know, it's funny. Not until I heard about adults gathering to watch it that I go really, and yep. then I started like getting curious about it. But um, how about this? This is going to be almost a cop out, but maybe not. I think every fucking police procedural that ever existed after the X-Files can give a big old thank you to the X-Files. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Because I don't know about a lot of procedurals because, again, I don't have a lot of the historical context because I didn't. But I watched Murder, She Wrote. I watched, like, shit I watched as a kid with my grandparents. Murder, She Wrote, Magnum P.I., Miami Vice. Of course, they all predate the X-Files. But they also had a different flavor. I mean, X-File, I mean, Miami Vice is, is unique in that it has that Michael Mann vision in it. it. You can feel it when you go back and watch Miami Vice. It's actually pretty awesome. It, <laughs> when you watch it, you go, holy fuck, this is awesome. But and I think Mann produced a bunch of it before we really started getting behind the camera. But, um, but X-Files, I feel like investigation, um, episodic with the serial through line, which is mythology, but that... You know, it was, it's, I think it made its bones on the fucking Monster of the Week shit. And that's essentially SUV, CSI, take your fucking pick. Um, Influence in that you have officers, law enforcement people working cases and solving them each week. And you have this dynamic between partners. Like, 
Sure. I know Buddy Cop is nothing new. Buddy Cop was a, as a staple of the 80s. Titties and butts and buddy cops, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we, should pat, we should patent that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, there was like, there's Mannix and shit like that from back in the day. But a lot of that was like, you know, solo work. You know what I mean? It was just a guy yep. doing his thing, fucking catching bad guys. Columbo, there you go. Somebody said in the chat. Um, but for sure. Yeah. And we might be dancing around, you know, Sir Thumb kind of said shows that have been like directly or indirectly like created from it. Because just to be honest, I, I've seen a couple episodes of Mille- uh, Millennium. Not much. Lance Henriksen. Yeah. And he... The 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 episode Millennium that he is in that kind of makes that crossover leap whatever is is great for a later episode one and Lance Hendrickson obviously is amazing just you know honestly I haven't seen nearly enough TV to really <laughs> answer this question so I'll just things that jumped out to me um, you know everybody is showing about Supernatural I I know that came from the X Files and it's been on TV for like fucking twenty seven years. I've never See, watched I, I, it. I liken that to Buffy, but but that makes sense too. That still works. Yeah. Um, Monster of the Week, the role-playing game, which, I mean, that is, <laughs> no that shit, would not right? exist without the X-Files. That is, you know, the the the, the title of it is named after a, a type of, a category of X-Files that fans made up to describe the show. So um, that's hmm. that's for sure. And then I thought of, um, not a TV show, but Men in Black. I mean- of course. Would that exist or have the legs it did without without the X-Files? The legs it did, no, but I think it's a comic from back in the day, right? Is it from earlier than that? I, I feel like it was, but we I'm not. We are so well informed. I couldn't say for certain. I yeah. could check the uh, internet machine, but I think it, yeah, it came out in the 90s, 1990, Men in Black comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, but again, close. maybe it wouldn't have had the jump off to be all sure. huge. What about something sort of tangentially related, but shit like... Um, even like 24 or something. I knew you were you were big into that back in the day. Yeah, I jammed on that for the first few. I think there's... there's it got crazy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I th- I definitely think it's in... I, I, man, there's not a lot of TV that came after the X-Files that couldn't have said to have taken something from it, even in, even in competition. You sure. know, just to... It, it kind of changed the market in a lot of ways. So... Right. Um, yeah. Hmm. I would say... Good shit. Great question. And you know, I, what I like about that is just thinking about sort of TV existing after it and, and how many great shows were there on network television. I mean, there's an argument yeah. for being one of the greatest network television shows. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. It's pretty crazy to think about that. that that'll that be a good segue here into, um, well, actually not the next question, the one after that. We got a quick one um, to finish up with Sir Thom. You want to get that? <laughs> I don't know the answer to this, sadly. <laughs> but he says, the subject of other shows, and because it was the very first thing I watched when I acted with my Disney Plus subscription, can we talk about how much fun the X-Files Simpsons crossover is? For me, it's fucking perfect. Mulder, look at this, Scully. There has been another unsubstantiated force in the heartland of America. We've got to get there right away, Scully. Well, gee, Mulder, that's always this report of shipment of drugs and illegal weapons coming to New Jersey tonight. I hardly think you have ice concern matters like that. <laughs> <laughs> or, it's bringing love. Don't let it get away. Break its legs. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, man, I haven't watched that episode for years. I remember I remember really digging it. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, a show like The X-Files to be able to do something like a Simpsons crossover or a cops crossover, X-Cops. Ugh, man, dude. There's, there's some now that's shit. an episode that's in later seasons that I remember. Yeah. Yep. Good I watched shit. it a few times. Yep. So that's good shit, man. Awesome. 
big thanks to Sir Thom. Great questions. Thank you for taking the time to really put some some thought and some writing into it. Yeah, and if we wax intellectual too much, we apologize. But um, what do you say? We're just under an hour. Do you want to? Do you want to dive in? What are you thinking? Um, your call, sir. You you want to? You want to break me, this up and do a little two parter? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a terrible idea because okay. I think. I, we'll probably be a little under an hour. I think if we start on Mike's questions, why don't we do Mike's first question and then call it? Well, that first one's pretty big. I think if is we're going to save it, yeah. All right. Um, what? So let me see. What? Yeah, because that will leave any, us five and five. Oh, because he has three plus two from White Death. Yep. Oh fuck, that's fucking smart. Yeah. Then why don't we? Why don't we just give some final thoughts and wrap it up, and we'll make this fucker a two-parter, and then they'll have an extra hour of content instead of us jamming this into ninety minutes. Yeah, I like it. Don't want to jam. Yeah. Don't want to jam. We gotta ease <laughs> it and take our ease. time. Yeah, and you know what? Why don't we run down there and fuck all those cows? <laughs> why don't we walk down there and fuck them all? <laughs> a little more philosophy for you what was that he's like dad dad why don't we run down there and fuck one of the cows he's like why don't we walk down son and fuck them all <laughs> what is that from <laughs> i don't remember weird... it's such a it's hilarious though yeah but... <laughs> that was good the, shit, the man. patience is important i guess was the whole point but um <laughs> yeah why don't we why don't we turn this over uh, and just say uh thank you to the chat if there's anything you guys want us to touch on that we can hammer out quickly um, don't be afraid to post something now since you're there in the live chat. But, um, but yeah, I think we do break it up. That's a, that's a solid hour of pretty much hour of content. Thanks to Sir Thom. Very thought provoking as usual. Yeah. And thanks. Uh, yeah. I mean, thanks to just everybody. Uh, the involvement, um, from listeners is always great with, with the polls, with the March madness, with the, the listener quizzes, different things we do. It's really cool. Um, and it makes, uh, I mean, I, even if there's nobody listening, I would still enjoy getting on the mics and talking X Files with you. But for sure, um, it you know the different the, dynamic, yeah. The community that's come out of it definitely adds adds a lot to the experience. And and this this was an awesome opportunity. I mean, typical typical fucking LSG media for us to give a prize, which is really a win for us, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we awarded these prizes, but <laughs> how cool is it to have the opportunity to talk about X Files and in and concepts and <laughs> topics and themes that, you know, we might address or hit on or, or brush past as we're talking about it in an episode, but really cool just to kind of do it without worrying about, you know, getting back on track of whatever episode we're covering. Yeah. Well, you know, like, uh, like it was said by, uh, by people before us, never let a crisis go to waste. We say never let a good LSG prize go unplundered. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way we roll, Mr. Josh. That's the way we roll. But awesome shit. And uh, and again, thank you to uh, to the organizers, Josh specifically, Ben, Carmelita, everyone who participated. You guys are awesome. And um, I guess we're going to get out of here. Do you want to tell these good people goodbye? God save the queen. to the X-Files podcast by LSG Media. Visit us on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net. Music